Welcome to the Speak Her Podcast with your host, Camille Essick, the podcast where creators and innovators connect. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's your girl Camille Essick. I'm the host of the Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast where innovators and creators connect. You know I had to bring them back, everybody. This is my brother and friend, Derek D. Ross. He is a friend of the show. Derek, welcome for joining me once again. Hey, thank you so much for having me again. I'm, I'm always um, excited to converse with you on just, just anything, life, business, because it's, it's always such a insightful and a, uh, and a, a meaningful conversation. That I think people can benefit from. So thank you again for inviting me back. No problem. And those that are just tuning in, we've got some new listeners. I'm almost at my next milestone. We are pushing towards 5,000 downloads and I'm super excited about that. So for those that are just tuning in, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Well, congratulations, first and foremost. Thank you. Um, but my name is Derek D. Ross. Uh, I am a brand and creative strategist and a publicist. Um, I've been uh, doing this thing for uh, over 16 years. So what I do is I, I help brands to really unpack their ideas and to break through their creative roadblocks in order to create strategies that help them to amplify their voice, increase their visibility, and to drive impact while remaining true to the core of who they are. And so um, I've worked for national brands, um, you know, like the CIAA, uh, National Battle of the Bands, uh, the SWAC, the Southwestern um, Athletic Conference. Uh, I've worked with corporate partners like uh, Nationwide, Toyota, Ford, Food Lion on uh, sponsorship activations. And it's, it's just been a very fruitful and a, um, you know, and a blessed career mm-hmm. that I've had thus far. And I'm excited to continue to do a lot of that work on the consulting side, but then also taking uh, what I've learned and helping entrepreneurs who um, are building their businesses and their brands really understand the dynamic of what it means to be not only an individual brand uh, for what they want to do with the audiences that they decide to uh, serve, but then also how they can take um, their expertise and then move again to a place where they can consult for larger corporations um, in that space as well. I love that. And Derek, because you've done this for so long, you've seen ups and downs when it comes to branding, organizational identity. Um, And we always, we love the warm fuzzy, as I call it, the feel good brands. And then there are some brands out there that are very controversial. Um, Even right now, the brand of America, uh, it's been, um, I can't even say, it's just been very controversial. There's been a lot of tension. And sometimes within organizations, when we see things, for example, with the NFL, I was watching the story again with the young lady, Aaliyah, and her boyfriend, you know, playing football. And we see with the NFL, you know, they put forth one brand or one image, but then behind the scenes, we see tensions and and controversies of things like uh, discrimination, sexual assault, domestic violence. And, And then within that, you have, you know, brands like Roger Goodell and versus Colin Kaepernick. And, and these things can be very controversial and cause tension and contradiction. So when we are looking at brand organization, leadership and identity, what do you feel like are some of the tensions and contradictions that are revealed in a process when someone is in a corporate setting or creating a brand or brand development? You know, it, 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 immediately I, I go to the term, you know, a company culture. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I remember before I graduated uh, college were, was the whole concept of what's the culture of the company and do you align with that culture? And I think one of the things that we can overlook 
as individuals who are in roles or when we're looking for jobs, like, yeah, we can focus on the title and the name of the brand and all of the, you know, the accolades and exposure that having that top tier position can give you personally. But I think what we forget is that behind the scenes, there are other individuals who bring their life experiences, their beliefs, their values into the workplace. And depending on who's the leader, right, of that particular organization, then a lot of times their values, their beliefs are the things that trickle down to how the culture of the company then uh, evolves and, 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 and what ends up being the dominant, you know, culture or actions that take place within an organization, again, behind the scenes. And so I think one of the biggest things that as individuals and as employees and then as employers as well is to really um, take a step back and look at the entire brand of the organization. What is the the values of the corporate organization in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then how do we best align ourselves with that, you know, um, because at the end of the day, we're all coming together, right, to push uh, the vision, the mission, and and the company um, forward. But our individual, you know, elements can get in the way as well. And so when you don't have a clear defined leader that can drive that uh, down from the top to the bottom and really uh, engage people consistently in reminding them of what it is that we represent as a company, as a unit, as a family, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, then you have a lot of different pockets of beliefs and ideas. And you have these subcultures within the culture of the company that begins to, you know, um, infect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, certain aspects that we begin to see, you know, when you start hearing those things behind the scenes of, you know, sexual discrimination and, you know, all those elements that that tend to pop up in the news mm-hmm. uh, after, uh, you know, people get fed up and or people have been, you know, assaulted or, um, you know, in, the, in that particular space. And then you pe- people finally speak up and speak out. And then you see so many people coming and speaking from um, from the multitude and saying, oh, me too, or just like the Me Too movement. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's 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 a combination of sweeping things under the rug, mm-hmm. uh, not facing things. And that's even also a culture. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, not facing things and speaking things truth to power, so right. to speak. And, um, and and that's one of those elements that I think it's, it's important to start to say, okay, yes, this does exist. And how do we begin to move forward as a community, as a unit, as a family, of, a business family? Um, because we spend most of the time with the people that we work with anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so I, I, hope, I hope I answered your question. You really did. And one of the words, um, as you were answering that question that stuck out to me was the word family. Because, mm-hmm. I, and like you said, we spend more time... Uh, with our coworkers than we do with our family. But right now with the pandemic, that thing is kind of flip-flop just a little bit because the majority mm-hmm. of us, including myself, and, and I think you are too, we're still at home. So when mm-hmm. we are in these environments with um, controversies and then there's different structures within, you know, we have internal stakeholders within uh, business and branding organizations, um, how are some employees? How are employees resisting organizational identification practices? Meaning, you know, if we say, "Hey, um, we're in this business, and everyone here has to wear the khaki pants and the the yellow polo shirt," but then you have that one employee is like, "Well, no, yellow doesn't look good on me. I'm going to wear my blue shirt." So, how do you deal with employees within the organization that are um, not lining up with the ideals of the organization? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And, and 
two answers show up for me. Mm-hmm. One is would be like, well, why are they resisting? Like, what's the root of resistance? Because when I think about, oh, you know, someone not wearing a yellow shirt or, you know, and I want to wear blue instead, that's a surface level issue. So for me, my immediately thought, my immediate thought is to, okay, what's the what's the root behind that rebellion, right? About that resistance to to be uniform, right? And to to be seen as a part of this company. Is there something about this company that you don't identify with that you don't connect with? And so that would be my first thing because for something as simple as a color of a shirt has a deeper root in why this person does not want to listen Mm -hmm. or be, um, you know, respectful of the the request from the company and the leadership that's paying them to do a job, so to speak, right? And the second part of that is, you know, are you are you giving the employees or you know your 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 peers, your coworkers, right? Um, your direct reports, depending on what level you're at in the business, uh, are you giving them the value? Are you giving them you know the what they're looking for when it comes to how they want to be seen, felt, and heard within an organization? Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things that I learned in my career was that when my boss, when I had a boss that was an amazing boss that saw me, that respected me, that gave me a voice, then it was nothing that I wouldn't do for that boss, mm-hmm. right? I would put in the hours, I would go above and beyond, but but and then I've, I've also experienced the flip side when I had a boss that didn't respect me, that was belittling to other people, and that really went against the grain of my core values. That mm-hmm. was they were disrespectful, they were about self, they were narcissistic, and all those different things. Then I found myself being more rebellious, right, to to their request because it, because of the type of person that they were. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we look at those type of situations, we really have to look at you know, the deeper root for, for what that rebellion looks like, right? Is it that they, they are just, you know, they just, they're not happy and they don't want to be there. Well, what's the reason, right? right? Is it, is it something deeper? Is it something at home? Right. And so I think definitely in the midst of COVID and one of the things that I've been reading and looking at a lot lately has been, you know, what does, you know, when, when we start to go back to work, you know, a lot of people will still be working remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but and some people would, would be working in the office and partly at home. And some people will go all the way, all the way back into the office, right? right? What does mental health and support look like moving forward? Because I think we've all been, you know, traumatized, so to speak, at different levels with the pandemic. And I think what's going to end up happening is there's going to be other things that come up that didn't come up before, right, <laughs> in the corporate space. And so I think businesses that really take a serious look at the the mental health and, and well-being of their employees are going to be positioning themselves better to thrive and really be successful, not only from a, um, a workplace environment where people want to work and want to be at, mm-hmm. but then also the success of the business externally because they're going to have the employees that feel like they're their owners see them, hear them, and are really do care about uh, them. Mm-hmm. I, I love that point. And because you are so knowledgeable and having over a decade and a half of experience, um, what do you think is the most effective way going about to change the narrative within the organization and to get people on board and to align with the vision or the direction of the company, or even in a space of rebranding, because it's like, Hey, we've always done it this way. And the leadership says, no, uh, we have a new vision. We want to refresh, um, some, some of our ideas and, and maybe we got it wrong. Um, maybe we were doing some things as far as how we targeted various demographics and we were not 
on the right side of history. And so now we need to change the narrative and the direction of this organization. So in your experience or what are, in your opinion, um, Derek, what do you feel like are some strategies that are effective and what is not, what may not be effective in, in as far as getting people on board with the vision? I would, I would start with um, what's effective, right? I, I think we're, we're in a day and age where uh, empathy, uh, relevance, and authenticity, and I know that's a buzzword for a lot of people, yes. but I really think people are looking for businesses that and, and, and organizations that they can see themselves in. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the first things that organizations can begin to do is to look at their internal you know, branding just like they would do externally in a marketing campaign to customers, right? Mm-hmm. You need to do your research and you need to really look inward to understand the makeup and the dynamics of your organizational um, makeup, right? All the people that are within your organization, you know, who are they? What do they look like? What are their stories, mm-hmm. right? And how do they feel about us, right? What do they think about us? And creating a safe space to do so. Because I think a lot of organizations don't get the real feedback that they're looking for mm-hmm. because they employees don't feel safe to share. Yeah. And so if you create a safe space, truly a safe space, right, where people's opinions and their feedback can be given freely and can be valued with no repercussion, so to speak, for telling the truth, right, mm-hmm. then I think you begin to create a space where people are, you know, feel comfortable with sharing and are able to really, you know, um, add to the uh, the conversation, so to speak, on how to best, <clears throat> excuse me, move this company forward, right? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that companies miss out on is that they don't look internally um, at the organization from a place where it's, it's, again, it's still a community. It's a platform. Right. And so how do we begin to do the research needed to be able to create a space where we are speaking to our customer, so to speak, which in this case, the customer is the employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I would, I would definitely say is that, you know, doing a lot of that due diligence and the research inside and creating a space space for people's voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. But then also when you say that you you want people's opinions or ideas on where we go next or what we should do, that you truly listen and that you truly show an attempt to say, you know what? Yes, we're not just talking and just putting you in a room and telling you to throw ideas at the wall and, uh, okay, we check that off the box, right? But then people want to see, okay, now what are, which ideas of these are you actually going to take and start implementing? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of employees are, are tired of this small talk rhetoric so to speak, where companies will say they're going to do something and they do all the things to look good externally, but none of the things take place internally. Mm -hmm. And so that's a twofold, right? That's what companies need to stop doing. And then that's one of the strategies they need to start implementing um, effectively, more effectively in order for employees to be able to feel like they're heard and seen. And so maybe that is creating a subgroup within it where it's a mix of employees at different levels where you are talking about the needs that they have at the different levels of the organization and you have a task force internally that can help come up with ideas, foster, you know, creative solutions and programs that help to really serve the culture internally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also with that uh, is, is the importance of just, you know, looking at where you've been, where you are and where you're going mm-hmm. and measuring the company and where it stands in society as a whole. Right. 
because I think what we're seeing now is that society is also demanding businesses and organizations to shift with what the needs of the of, of the entire you know country is in need of, right? Yeah. Hell, for some, excuse my language, yeah. the entire world, right? Because yeah. some of these businesses are international. And so how you, you know, you create a space for people um, to and to pour back into the communities where you exist, right. right? To serve the communities that's been serving you as a business, it's also an important element. And so, what better way to do that than to engage your employees who live in these communities, right? Mm-hmm. More directly, and sometimes not the CEO who may be in New York, but then you have offices all across the country. Yeah. Well, your employees who are living in these offices and these communities and where they live and where their kids go to school are the ones whose voice you need to hear to better understand how your business can be of impact in the communities around the country. I love that, Derek. And and you hit on, on an important point when you said um, when there is a need. And I, and <clears throat> one of the things I love about branding is are, are those that are proactive and not re- reactive. For example, when we look at Rihanna and Fenty, she saw a need, you know, for generations of women of color, we've been marginalized and ignored from the beauty industry. And she said, you know what, sis, I got you. I'm going to create this brand and it's going to open the door for um, women that are um, highly melanated. And I'm going to create this product and not just throw some colors together and say, here, here you go, just to mark, hit this uh, diversity check in the box. But I actually take the time to uh, think about your texture, your tone. How does this product melt into your skin? Does it complement your particular undertones? And then one of her strategies as far as marketing and branding, making sure that uh, those in her ads look like us. You know, she has people in her ads that are albino, people with gaps, people that have vitiligo, like Misty, um, what's her name? Uh, Misty Harlow, I think that's her name. Mm-hmm. And um, what we consider imperfections are things that are not considered beautiful by the standards of European beauty in the commercialized beauty industry. And she was like, no, this is what the girl next door looks like. This was, this is what the everyday girl or the everyday woman looks like. And now she's also bringing in, you know, those that maybe identify with, um, binary identities and just covering and, and covering the, the gamut as far as inclusion. And I love the marketing strategy mm-hmm. of the brand because it's very authentic. It's very genuine. It's very sincere. And it's reflective of her audience. It's reflective of her customers. So with that mm-hmm. being said, when brands are intentional or not intentional as far as that what do you feel like are some of the consequences of these practices when brands are constructing and maintaining these self-satisfying and coherent personal identities they they lose they fall apart Mm -hmm. you know when when you um when you start one way i always say when you think about it from this perspective right Mm -hmm. think about when we first heard rihanna right when we first um you know, upon the replay, right? Right. And from then to now, we've grown and she's grown. And so I always say, you know, how are you growing with your customer? What will they need two, three, four years from now that you can actually provide? Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you even have a vision for how your business can serve this particular demographic moving forward? Are you staying connected to their needs and their wants and their desires, right? And I think that's one of the things that we miss, you know, um, and, and it's, it's, it's as natural as, as relationships, right? As friendships, we grow with our friendships. There's some friends that we grow with uh, from childhood to now that we're still tight because we've all been growing mm-hmm. um, in, in, in the same direction, 
with different visions and different elements for our lives, but our, our core values have kept us tight and connected. But yeah. there are some friends that, you know, we've grown apart and they are no longer in our lives because we have different wants, needs, and desires that don't really align with who we are now versus right. who we were when we first became friends. Exactly. And I think the same thing goes with, with, with businesses and brands um, because brands are just a personality, right? Brands, you know, the business is the entity that you create, the S-Corp, the LOC, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But then the brand is the identity that you give it that helps it connect and resonate with people and so when you when we're looking at from from a branding perspective as is you know and how are we showing up and how are we being you know um understanding of the customer that we serve based on where they are now and based on where they may be in the future and how do we fit within their life right because when you think about it it's it's a relationship (laughs) you know we can we can think about a brand that's probably been in our life over you know all of our lives right you know i just bought some teddy grams the other day (laughs) i had teddy grams since i was little but you know i you know but i was at the store and i was like yo i hadn't had these in a minute but it just brought back all of this nostalgia when i was a little kid and i used to eat them right and so it was kind of like connecting with the old acquaintance that i hadn't talked to in a long time right you know what i'm saying (laughs) so it was like oh wow and so yeah i may go buy some more and i may not but you know that's how powerful the connections that we can make not only as business owners from a branding perspective in in, in a business but then also how that connects and resonates with employees and and their leaders within the organizations right Mm -hmm. um i can think about leaders that have had profound impact in my career and even the ones that you know who were who were terrible but they taught me so much on how not to lead right Mm -hmm. and how to show up differently and so their impression on me shapes how I look at life how I look at leadership how I look at business Mm -hmm. uh, but then also how I look at relationships and branding right from the from the corporate side and the organizational side and so um, I think it's, 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 it's very important that you know you always keep a pulse on you know what's relevant what's going on and how you're showing up and how you're creating noise in the world because you don't want the noise to be noise that people just want to turn off you want the noise to be something that people just want to join in and make noise with you right Mm -hmm. i love that derek you have given us so many jewels and i want to say thank you so much so if there was one main takeaway that you can give to the listeners here what would that be I would say, you know, one of the biggest things when it comes to just, you know, your your employee identity is to really understand who you are mm-hmm. and what you really want from a business, from a lifestyle, right? What's important, what's valuable to you, because then you begin to, you know, be clear on, you know, if this company is the one best suited to, to, to serve you in that capacity, right? Because mm-hmm. If when you're aligned in that capacity, and if you think about your relationships with your spouse, significant other, brother, sister, whoever, best friend, um, there's nothing you wouldn't do for that individual when you know that they have your back and you have theirs, right? right? And so, you know, you take that approach when you're looking at your jobs, when you're looking at your career, when you're looking at businesses that you want to be connected to, and then also don't be afraid to 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 speak truth and to be yourself. I think we are seeing a shift. In America and even around the world where uh, where people are now being more vocal about, you know, how they feel 
and how they don't feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is beautiful because what it does, it, it creates real conversations in real time so that we can address the issues and not have something build up over time that becomes, you know, a, a major catastrophe because it's been bubbling up so much because no one's ever said anything. And that's just how we do things here. No, that's not how we do things here anymore. And the employees are the ones with the power. The employees have the opportunity to, to create real meaning and lasting change, especially when we're talking about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion that covers all of us yes. right white black indian asian whoever that covers us we're all a part of that conversation and so the more that we you know bring all of ourselves to the table the more that we talk and we share you get to create the culture that you want to see and that you want to be a part of within an organization right but we don't we don't do that if we are always silent you know if we participate and we just you know subscribe to group think and we never raise our hand to say well what about this or hey this doesn't feel right can we do this you know i think a lot of business problems mm-hmm. and a lot of the the uh, the apologies that so many businesses are having to make out there in public mm-hmm. could could be could be remedied because we're now listening and we've created a space where people can give their honest constructive feedback and and share their experiences across their cultures where we can create a company that really is inclusive that really has diversity and that really you know evaluate uh, values um you know equitable distribution of power resources learning whatever that looks like so that's my advice just be bold in that that's where the trend is going now i don't even want to say trend that's where the shift is going because my prayer is that it's a permanent part right it's not a trend (laughs) exactly so uh, that would be my thing just be bold and beautiful in who you are show up use your voice and again uh, there's a saying that you know those who 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 know um and understand will be there and those who don't care don't worry about them (laughs) (laughs) thank you because cancel culture is a real thing (laughs) right Thank you. And Derek, those that want to connect with you on social media or even reach out to um, obtain some of your services because th- you do this professionally, where can people contact you on social media? Um, they can contact me on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and my website. It's DerekDRoss.com and at Derek D. Ross. Thank you. And I hope everyone got something from listening to this episode. I'm your host, Camille Essex, and this is The Speaker Podcast. And until next time, be blessed. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want more, be sure to log on to www.camilleessick.com or follow Camille on Instagram at camille.essick. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Speak Her Podcast, where innovators and creators connect.